This is Vanderbilt Business, and I'm Kara Shear. After graduating from Owen with her MBA in 2007, Kimberly Lexo helped other entrepreneurs start their own businesses. Eventually, she decided to make the leap herself, co-founding Sifted, a catering company that offers daily or weekly lunches to high-growth tech-centric companies. In this episode, Kimberly chats with us about bootstrapping her startup, choosing potential clients, working at the intersection of food and tech, and more. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Kimberly Lexo, who's one of our MBA alumni. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So to get started, can you briefly recap your career and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. Um, So I started my career in sales, business-to-business sales, right out of undergrad. I think I I really just kind of took the same job that my parents had. Um, I, I really, you know, didn't know much about kind of you know, the world outside of college anyway, and that just kind of seemed like a nice transition. Sales taught me a lot about um, just, you know, learning to not only sell a product, but myself. So I did that for a couple of years, left to start a, a little telecom consulting business. That's what I was doing before, you know, really unsophisticated. What I knew from working at AT&T in sales is that we were oftentimes overselling clients. And so um, I just started this little business where I was helping them kind of decide, you know, this is at the time when you had lots of phone lines, you know, multiple fax lines, multiple phone lines. And so I would just help companies get rid of some of those lines. Um, again, super unsophisticated. But that, that kind of gave me a sense for like, ooh, I really like to start things. You know, I like to figure things out. And so, but I really wanted, you know, to kind of understand how to actually build a business, how to scale a business. And so that's when I decided business school. Um, I was living in Boston at the time. And so, you know, Owen was a really nice fit for me for a couple of reasons. So I was, I I graduated Owen in uh, 2007. I focused um, at the time on entrepreneurship and healthcare. Started a business while I was in grad school. Worked on it kind of over the summer instead of getting the internship, um, a traditional internship with with the um, with the grant that they gave out. So again, just kind of Owen was a place where I was. I felt a lot of freedom to kind of you know explore some of these new ideas I had. After grad school, um, went on to kind of continue to work on my own for a while. I helped kind of you know early mid stage companies um, identify adjacent markets you know that could be you know beneficial or profitable for them. So did a lot of um, market analysis, kind of really wrapping my arms around ill defined markets. One of my clients uh, who I worked with really closely for a couple of years, I ended up working for them full time. Then you know building up and managing their um, direct their marketing department. Worked there for four years. And it was during that time that my co-founder, Jess, and I, Jess also worked there, that we had this idea for Sifted. And so we started Sifted. Um, it's been about four years now. The, the core concept at the time was, you know, how do we make, how, how do we help leaders, you know, kind of make good on their good intentions? So everybody is kind of trying to create this really inclusive culture, this culture that really fosters community, but it's really hard. And you can't just spend a lot of money, you know, on happy hours and kind of expect it to happen and and we kind of saw you know that we kind of had that experience of you know if, if you're not really thoughtful about kind of planning events like that or kind of planning meaningful perks um, it can actually have the opposite impact where it's really you know exclusive and so that was kind of the core idea and just really early on in start, starting to meet with CEOs of high growth companies we kind of found that you know lunch could be the thing lunch could be this low risk really meaningful perk 
that brings people together, encourages people to take a midday pause. And so, yeah, we, we launched Sifted in 2015, Nashville was our first market. We're now in Nashville, Atlanta, Austin, Denver, Boulder, and Seattle. Awesome. And I know that you serve some clients that listeners probably have heard of. So can you tell us a little bit about who you're currently working with? Yeah, absolutely. So the way that Sifted works is we we talk about ourselves as the outsourced chef team to high growth companies. So effectively, we are the corporate caterer to companies that are bringing in lunch for their teams on a daily or a weekly basis. And so, you know, the majority of the companies that are doing things like that are high growth tech companies. So we work with brands like Uber, Eventbrite, Fox, Square, Twitter, Google, in kind of all of those cities. And again, these are companies that are feeding their teams in in most cases daily. So they hire Sifted to create a new menu every day with accommodations for all dietary restrictions. We then have a team of people who go to the kitchen, they hear the story of that day's food from the chef who prepared it. So everything is prepared by a local chef in each, a local chef team in each one of our markets. They hear the story of the food, you know, where things were sourced, um, what inspired this particular menu. They then take the food, they take the lunch to the client's office, they set everything up. We're really thoughtful about, you know, aesthetic, kind of what it looks like, really trying to kind of match the vibe of these offices. We want it to really feel like kind of a pop-up restaurant experience. Our hosts then stay on site to manage the experience. Spinach falls on the floor, they pick it up, they're engaging with eaters, they're making sure that, you know, your dairy-free eater is getting her specially prepared dish and then after lunch we clean everything up and take the trash with us it's really intended to feel like magic and I think that's something that works really well for again these really high growth companies who use lunch as you know not only a recruitment and retention tool but also a way to build community so you know everybody is able to participate in these lunches nobody has to be the person who tracks down the lost delivery guy or hears that they didn't like you know today's particular menu you know it really is intended to be completely hands-off for the for our client and for our main points of contact and so and, and so that just works really well for kind of, you know, again, these really high growth tech companies. And I know that often, um, you know, when companies coordinate those sort of meals internally, usually the office manager, maybe a couple of helpers are always having to run around and can't really participate. So it sounds like you really sort of take all that work off the companies. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I and mean, we used to work in an environment, Jess and I, where, you know, lunch was always being brought in and, you know, it was either really, it either arrived really late or way early. It was generally cold by the time it got there. Our friend who was our office manager was the one who was kind of responsible for, you know, tracking it down and setting it up. You know, the food wasn't great. And then on top of it, you know, all of the small trash cans in everybody's offices would be like overflowing with leftover food. The whole office smelled like raw onions. And we're like, there's got to be a better way to get really good food into the office in the middle of the day without it having kind of this, you know, ripple effect that kind of stays with you and creates um, just major interruption in everybody's world. Oh, definitely. So I'm wondering, how is Sifted different from other catering startups? I I think the core thing is that we built what we do specifically for these environments, so these high growth companies. So kind of at the core, we operate really similarly to a tech company in the sense that, you know, it's we deliver really fast, um, rapid iteration. Um, we're really focused on user feedback. I'm really focused on you know experimentation. We scrum as an example. 
And I think what that means is we're able to kind of match the pace and the vibe of these offices, which is everything from, you know, introducing new menus. So if there's a new, you know, kind of food trend, we're able to, you know, bring that into our lunches the very next week so that eaters are, you know, kind of experiencing it for the first time at the office versus going to a local restaurant. Additionally, we're really focused on kind of the experience for our main points of contact. So it's intended to be totally hands-off. We, you know, we send the same people every single day so they know exactly where they're going. Um, Again, they know the names of the eaters. They know who's dairy-free, who's gluten-free. You know, they know who is vegan except for the day that we bring something, you know, enchiladas with cheese and that's like their one cheat meal. So it's just this very kind of, you know, personalized kind of customized service while at the same time staying really mindful of kind of what the goal of the of, of lunch is. Additionally, we're really data-driven, so really focused on, you know, reducing food waste. So as our team is, you know, again, it's a local chef team that prepares all of the meals in our kitchen. Each of these meals are designed, you know, really to be eaten in the middle of the day. They're intended to be really balanced, kind of give you everything you need in order to fuel the rest of your day. All of the pans as they're leaving our kitchen are weighed, and then they're all weighed when they come back before we donate them. So we know down to the ounce how much each person, you know, on average at a client is eating, which helps us really predict, you know, portions going forward. It means that that predictability allows us to, you know, buy just exactly the right amount of raw ingredients that we need, eliminating waste in our kitchen. And then by donating, um, we're able, again, to kind of support the local community, but then also make sure that none of our food is going into landfills. Anything that can't be donated is composted. So really trying to think of kind of that full cycle. Again, the advantage of just having these really strong relationships with the individual eaters in our POC, because we see them every day, is that, you know, we get really clear on this particular client, you know, is a total fan of these types of menus. They're not really into, like, you know, these types of menus. So, again, it just kind of takes a lot of that guesswork out of it. It really reduces the amount of um, complaints or suggestions that our POC is getting. We work really hard to kind of route all of that feedback directly to us we've got a couple of feedback mechanisms in place you know again that allows the eater to talk directly to our chef team or talk directly to our operations team so instead of you know our main point of contact hearing from you know a, a group of engineers hey we're really cre- craving fried chicken that's getting all routed you know to our team which just allows our POCs to just like let go of that stuff so if they hear you know a passing comment in the hallway they can just be like Oh, this has got it. So again, it's, it's really kind of focused on really good food, meant to be eaten in the middle of the day, just a high level of kind of service for both the point of contact, but also the individual eaters, and being really mindful on, on kind of what this program is intended to do in making sure that we kind of move at the same pace as our clients. So you were talking there a moment ago about donating the leftovers, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the motivation behind that decision. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really it's really easy. I, you know, I, I think the motivation really kind of came from, you know, Jess and I and our kind of personal behaviors. I mean, we're both kind of really focused on, you know, reducing our environmental impact as much as possible just in kind of, you know, our personal lives. And so, you know, part of building this business was not only about, you know, reducing waste because it was going, because it makes sense, you know, environmentally but also that it's how we make our business work we're off able to offer really good food in the middle of the day at lunchtime prices because we're only buying what we need 
Now, on the other side of it, though, is that there are times when, you know, people are working from home or there's an entire department at a conference and we might not know about it. So, you know, leftovers happen. And really early on, we just saw like, oh, okay, you know, I can only eat so many leftovers. And so Jeff and I really early on found that we needed to find, you know, a a group of people who could, you know, use the food that we've prepared and prepared with so much, you know, care and love. And so it, you know, it started as most things do for startups, you know, just, you know, really unorganized and just kind of like, hey, could you guys use this food? If so, we'll just, you know, bring it by every day to the point now where, you know, it's a, it's a part of who Sifted is. So we have donation partners in all of our cities. Again, we weigh everything before we donate it. So we know exactly how much we're donating um, on any given day. It's really, it's really special to know that the food is, is going to support, you know, our local community. Uh, again, it's, I, I think that what I hear from our hosts is that that's, you know, one perk of the job is being able to take food, you know, to a local shelter and, you know, interact with the people who are eating the food, um, not only on the client side, but then also those that we donate. And it's, it is something that's super important to Jess and I. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I know that it sounds like you look for a very particular type of client that you want to work with. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate a little bit about the sort of qualities you look for in potential clients. Yeah, you know, what we what we look for kind of first is cultural fit. So it's really, you know, this, this relationship only works if, you know, we're well aligned in terms of like how, what the program is going to do. So, you know, we work with companies that see you know, lunch as a perk, as kind of fundamental to, you know, employee wellness and and employee happiness. You know, we work with companies that are just really invested in their staff experience at the office. The best clients are the ones who, you know, you know, not only kind of make a commitment to, to offer this type of program in the long term, but really look for ways to continue to like elevate the experience and the service. You know, people who are, who really appreciate the things like the donation, who like hearing where things were sourced from, you know, who appreciate, you know, we do kind of these on-site activations where a chef will come and make guacamole on-site. So, uh, you know, it's a team of people who kind of really appreciate kind of that level of experience versus, you know, we just need to put food in people's bellies and we're fine if they go and work at their desk and, you know, never have a conversation with their coworkers. I think that that kind of cultural fit is, is a really important component. And then, you know, more practically, we look for clients who already have either have a program or are looking to develop a program. So, you know, we have just decided not to work with anybody who's just doing a one-time lunch. All of it needs to be recurring on a schedule. And so the majority of our clients you know, serve their team daily or weekly. And again, that's where we find, you know, they, they get the most value out of our service. Um, and we find we're able to do our best work with that kind of um, relationship. So uh, speaking of adding clients, I know that you all have had really big year over year growth rates. So how have you all grown that quickly? You know, I think when Jess and I started, we knew we wanted to, you know, build something. 
but we also knew that we didn't want to kind of spend, you know, a year kind of tinkering, you know, on a product. We really wanted to create something that was valuable and profitable from the very beginning. And we knew that we wanted to fund our growth, you know, through cash flow. And so that was like a really intentional thing kind of early on. And it's just, you know, I think it's just kind of part of our personalities. Jess and I very much like to move quick. We like to create things and do things and put it out there. And if it's a total failure, you know, iterate on it and change it. I think the idea of, you know, creating something and going out and raising money kind of right from the get-go was just not the path we wanted to take. And so kind of that focus on profitability and cash flow from the very beginning really enabled us to fund our own growth. So, you know, we have not taken funding. We're totally bootstrapped. In our, you know, first year, you know, so all of our clients are under contract. So, you know, we measure kind of our revenue at, in terms of annual recurring revenue. And so, um, you know, just kind of one of our first milestones is we hit a million in ARR within the first 13 months. And then it became all about cash management. So that's something that my partner Jess is really, really skilled at. Um, it's really just paying attention to when we're getting paid, when we need to pay our purveyors. And it's just, you know, really being figuring out, you know, when to make the investments. And so that kind of coupled with working with, you know, clients that are having, you know, experiencing tremendous organic headcount growth, plus just, you know, continuing to sign up clients that just fit so nicely into our portfolio or our client profile has really just enabled some, you know, great top line growth. From year one to two, we did 400% year over year growth and in year three and now going to year four, it's continued to be in the triple digits. So yeah, I mean, again, um, for us, it has all about been about, you know, really focused, being really focused on kind of who is the right client, getting kind of growing that timeline revenue with like exactly the right fit, being really focused on our gross margins. That's one thing that I just recently heard from somebody who just started with us that she said that she's kind of never experienced, you know, a community of people. There are now like 160 of us where basically everybody in the company knows what COGS are, you know, down to the line everybody knows what COGS are everybody knows what's included in COGS and you know that's that's kind of the financial discipline that you have as a bootstrap company and I think kind of that that culture has enabled just you know both kind of this very scrappy mindset on kind of you know the expense side of things which has you know again just made just ensured that we had really strong margins and we were kicking off enough cash plus you know my partner's cash management skills you know that that's how we've grown Right. So I know that you all are kind of working at the intersection of two very hot industries right now, food and tech. And I'm just wondering, what has that been like? It's been fun and interesting. You know, it's it's interesting because kind of this whole like foodie culture has really made its way into offices over the past couple of years. So or even longer than that, you know, on the coast, it used to be one of those things where, you know, if you had a meeting that ran over lunch and someone ordered you lunch, you know, you were happy with whatever showed up. Nobody ever asked you if you had dietary preferences. Um, you know, nobody ever asked you really anything about kind of what you were hoping to have at lunchtime. But as, you know, kind of food as food in our culture has become or has changed in a way, um, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, that, that kind of pe- people's individual preferences and food philosophies, they really brought 
to their companies. And I think that's kind of, you know, again, like a function of, you know, these companies being really intentional about creating a culture where you can show up with your whole self. And that means showing up with your dietary preferences and just, you know, just kind of how you feel about food. And so that has been a really positive thing for us, for, you know, a company and for, you know, personally, somebody who's really interested in creating experiences around food. It's really fun to kind of do that in the office environment where, you know, historically it was, you know, everybody was fine with, you know, soggy pizza or stale sandwiches. And then, you know, technology just enables us to do things faster and at scale. I think that, um, you know, for us, we've had a really different path than a lot of our competitors. Most of our competitors have invested heavily in technology really, really early on. For some, that's been successful, and for many, it has not. Um, So what we've seen is a lot of food tech brands have raised tons of money, spent that money, and have since closed their doors, you know, very well-funded companies. Whereas, you know, for us, Bootstrap from the very beginning, we just knew right from the start that we wanted to create the experience first and then build technology to support the experience. For us, kind of always, it was going to be about that kind of personal interaction that, you know, feeding an individual person was always going to be kind of this focus. And then we were going to use technology to help us kind of scale that versus the reverse. So, you know, for us, we, again, have kind of taken a very different path where, you know, for a very long time, everything was very manual. Everything was managed in spreadsheets. And that enabled us to really, like, refine what we were doing. It also enabled us to, like, make change fast um, because we didn't have to then, like, put it on a roadmap, wait for, you know, our team to have the capacity to build something new or change something in our technology. It truly was like, okay, that menu didn't work. We're never doing that again. And that kind of, you know, those quick edits, I think, is what has helped us stay really close to our clients and just continually produce a product that really meets their needs. And now, you know, as we invest in technology, it's really cool because we kind of know exactly what it is that we're looking for. And it is powerful to see kind of all of the ways that it can help us become, you know, more efficient, more data-driven. I mean, it's just so exciting to see all of the ways that, you know, our system is kind of spitting out data that is informing decisions versus, you know, kind of how it used to be in some cases still is where there's just so much analysis that goes into it. But in any case, yeah, I, I think these, these two spaces are really interesting. I think there's just a ton happening. And I think that I'm, I'm most excited about, you know, the, the brands that are still staying really focused on kind of the power of food outside of technology, the power of food to connect people and using technology to support that versus, you know, kind of getting in the way of it. Yeah, absolutely. So circling back to the beginning of our conversation, when you look back on your entrepreneurial journey, do you feel like getting your MBA helped you at all? And if so, how? Yeah, I I do. I definitely do. You know, I think that, I think what school does is it teaches you how to evaluate ideas for market fit and potential very, very quickly. So it's like by learning kind of the fundamentals, you are able to kind of run through kind of all aspects of a business, you know, in sometimes in a matter of minutes, sometimes in a matter of weeks or months, and really kind of identify where, you know, the gaps and challenges are, where you kind of, you know, when, when you kind of hit a place where you're like, okay, I definitely don't think the idea in this version is going to work. So I think that, you know, absolutely, it taught me kind of the fundamentals of building and then scaling a business. What I think school, you know, didn't teach me 
is how to go for it. So I think, you know, that's the thing that all MBAs have to kind of work against is, you know, we are being kind of systematically taught how to find, how to uncover a million reasons why an idea won't work. And, you know, again, truly valuable. That's exactly what, um, you know, we need to be doing. It's, it's how we kind of like uncover issues before they become big, big problems. But for anybody who has started a business, for anybody who started anything, there is going to be that kind of period of time where you say, are all of these challenges, are all of these questions, you know, too much? Should I not do this idea? Or no, I'm still going to go for it. And I think, you know, again, kind of we're taught how to uncover kind of all of these ideas or all of these ways your idea won't work. Plus, if you ask anybody, particularly kind of in your MBA program, they will articulate all the ways it won't work. Again, like that's training, that's mindset. Also, that's the easy thing to do. Um, that's one thing I like to remind all my friends who are entrepreneurs is that it's really easy to pick apart somebody else's idea. It's really hard to find ways to support it. But in any case, you know, I think that balancing an MBA with developing really strong intuition so that you can kind of get to this place where, you know, even though there are lots of obstacles, lots of reasons why you think your, your, your thing won't work, there's also something kind of really intuitively in you that says, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, and I think that kind of balance is really important to develop. So last question, what is next on the horizon for you in Sifted? You know, big, big thing. We really feel good about what we've created. You know, it's it's certainly not perfect, but when I look at kind of, you know, this is just an activity I did over the weekend where I just kind of spent some time really reflecting on, on the business and on what we've built, which is also something that I think can a lot of times be hard for entrepreneurs because we're just kind of always trying to move forward and solve the next problem, but to kind of pause and really kind of take stock in what we've created, you know, the core business is just solid. And, you know, we kind of just keep getting market validation kind of from all angles that this is a thing and that people like it and they want to keep buying it. And so for us, it's a lot of just kind of, you know, doubling down on the things that we're good at, um, really investing heavily in our product, just continuing to make that experience, you know, just as good as it can be every single day for our eaters and our, our main points of contact. But then it's also, you know, expanding it, you know, continuing to grow and, and move into new markets is definitely something we're interested in doing. Launching new markets is something that is, you know, both so stressful, but also so much fun for us. Um, you know, again, that's kind of the creator in Jess and I, you know, we like to start start things. And so continuing to kind of, you know, build the sifted brand and the sifted model in, in other geographies is, is something that's important to us. And then also just kind of going from, you know, evolving from this really scrappy startup where, you know, Jeff and I did everything to, you know, being a team of 160, 170 people where we're able to provide kind of all of the things that a good job provides, you know, really competitive salaries, fully paid health insurance, paid time off, kind of, you know, becoming, becoming a real company in a way. And just everything that kind of comes with that is something that Jess and I are really focused on. And so, like, you know, from the very beginning, Jess and I knew that we wanted to create a place where, you know, people could bring their whole selves, where they could show up as they truly are, and where this could be a place where they made their career in the sense that, you know, I, I, I don't have kind of any illusion that we're all going to work together for the rest of our lives. And in fact, that's you know, not, definitely not going to happen. But I like this idea that people can kind of come here, experiment, try things out, really like 
grow the foundation of their career and then go on and do other things. You know, we have kind of quote unquote graduated lots of other entrepreneurs who are now doing, you know, who have created their own business. We have a woman who started a coffee shop. We have another woman who started her own soft line. And that is just so encouraging. And it's something that, you know, is so central to our culture, like just really holding on to that. I find that people who, you know, want to go on and do their own thing, you know, not only just are so invested in the experience they have with us, but then are also just kind of always looking for opportunities to expose themselves to all parts of the business. It just creates this really kind of tight community of, you know, achievers, go-getters. So as we continue to grow and scale, I think staying really mindful and really kind of focused on that kind of special thing about our culture is, is something that's important to, to Jess and me. Um, well, thank you so much for your time today, Kimberly. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for the good questions. I think that the only extra thing that I would love to like have added is that, you know, if there are any kind of entrepreneurs out there or aspiring entrepreneurs, anybody who would like to connect, you know, I'm just super open to that. And um, I'd love for them to know kind of how to find how to find me at uh, Kimberly at Sifted.co. Yeah, absolutely. I will. I can definitely include that. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Kara, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Kimberly again for her time, and thank you for listening. You can find more stories and information about Owens Graduate School of Management by visiting our website, business.vanderbilt.edu, or following at Vanderbilt Owen on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Music is by Mike Foster, and I'm Kara Shear.